people want to use the skills they have and they want to be useful. They want to fulfill the mission of the church. And if you've got an avenue for them to do that, they're happy to do it. If you work for the Catholic Church and want to avoid burnout, overcome team dysfunctions, and put more souls in the pews, we're here to help. I'm Tai Hua here with my co-host John Kahn's, and we're providing leadership development for Catholic ministry professionals. Every week on the Catholic Ministry Professionals podcast, you can expect practical advice to help you move Jesus' mission forward in your parish. Today, we're answering the question, how do you get buy-in from the rest of your team? Hey, John. Ty, it's good to see you. It's always a pleasure. I, you know, I'm excited. Uh, I, I've been really diving in, getting my green thumb back. I grew up on the farm, you know, and we recently had to put in some plants around our house, do the, the landscaping thing. And I've been keeping them all alive, but I've got one, one Ooh. plant that wants to die on me and I'm just not going to let it happen, man. So like we're, we're all in it. This is a fight. It's a fight for that life. And, and I'm, I'm here for it. And so you, it's you should name day. it Lazarus. Lazarus. So you can bring it Arise. back to life. Arise. So fun fact, there was two plants, two pomegranate plants that my mother gave me. And one of them had died. I kind of forgot about the other one. I threw the one that died away. And the one that we kept and I forgot about started to sprout some leaves. So every morning, I would actually do my prayers into it because the um what you breathe out i believe it's carbon monoxide dioxide dioxide Dioxide. monoxide is bad carbon dioxide Mm -hmm. is good for plants and so i talked into it i I breathed life into it as i prayed and this thing is flourishing probably not going mouth to mouth on this plant well, don't do it outside. That's pretty weird. Uh, I do well, it in the privacy of my house. I'm just outside, heavy breathing on this plant. <sighs> Luke, Luke, I am your father. Brooke will come in and the neighbors are starting to talk, John. <laughs> Let him talk. Well, I, I, I wanted to bring up this. I found an article. It's uh, by Church Pop and, and I found them on Facebook. I don't know a whole lot about them, but it's uh, kind of contemporary topics for for church culture or whatever and um, they actually had an article since we just in our last episode that we recorded together we, we had kind of talked a little bit about music in churches and how it's usually it, it's not at the level that everybody wants it to be at and they this church pop article spoke a little bit about it and um, they're the the thing that they really offered was the importance of the participation of the congregation. So where we talked a little bit more about how you build up the talented, um, the talent in the ministry, they went along the ways of, you know, if people were to sing out loud, and I thought there was a lot of value to that. So I just thought I'd bring that up as, you know, whenever I, there, there's been a few key moments where I was like, man, this congregation is singing and I'm here for it. And it just doesn't seem to matter whether it's traditional chant or whether it's more contemporary Music is elevated when everybody pours their heart into the music, when everybody pours their hearts out in worship to God. And so I just wanted to throw that out for our listeners. If there's something else, too, that we could offer as far as like beefing up music ministries and whatnot, it would simply just to be to educate our congregation in the necessity of them singing together, which might take just a little more front-loading that 
that education for him. But I, I just thought it was it was interesting that it popped up at the same time, and I thought it was a kind of a, a good take on it, just that it doesn't matter how good the people are up front as well if the people aren't singing along, because it's just something that happens when you build them up. And it's I experienced it, um, Ascension, Ascension Church, Ascension Parish in Oak Park, Illinois, when I was there. Their communion song was a really simple, repetitive, like one-line song from Scripture. And when they did that, then the congregation could join in, and it just was Ooh. so powerful. Same thing when I'd go take young men to seminary visits, and you, the room would just be full of the, all these men just heartily praying the prayers, heartily saying the prayers of the Mass, and, and just from the depth of their being, singing the songs. And they weren't, and, you know, they weren't outstanding songs or anything, but how important it is for you to experience the person next to you losing themselves in worship, really pouring their voice out in worship of the Lord God. So for our listeners, it's just something to think about. We'll, we'll put, I'll put the article link in the show notes if it's something that interests you. I got one thing to say. Two priests and another parishioner and I went down to Nogales, Mexico. Sounds like the start to a, to a bad joke. I know it. <laughs> but we had visited, I think we stopped in Santa Fe at this really awesome church to celebrate Mass. And the other parishioner, who's a, a lady, s- sat in between myself and the other two priests. And after the Mass, she was just so overjoyed having the chance to be surrounded by men who actually sang during Mass. And she just commented, like, I've, I can't remember the last time I felt that. Whatever that mm-hmm. was for her it was powerful and it was what the mass should be, right? Because we are actually partaking in this worship. It isn't just a, a spectator sport, if you will. She felt like she was in the arena on the battlegrounds of this awesome ceremony that's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, what? I've never really thought about that just because I, I always, I like to sing. Most people that mm-hmm. know me know that I like to sing and I didn't, even, you know, have a second thought to, am I going to sing or not? It just, yeah, music, music gets me there. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Uh, we do have some listener feedback as well. I'd like to, to share out there. This comes from Tracy. She's a campus minister and wears a couple different hats at Christ the King Parish in Sioux Falls. And she listened to some of the podcasts. She said, very good stuff. Good for me to pray about, especially the burnout episode. Also, I, all caps, love the devil's advocate. So Tracy, thanks for listening. I hope you continue to listen and just keep that feedback coming. Share it with a friend too, so that we can get the news out there about the good things that we're trying to do for the church here. But thanks for listening, Tracy. Shout out, Tracy. Um, Now, I want to throw it to you as we kind of get into the topic here, Ty. Like, did you ever start a new thing? Something really, really awesome but then nobody else is on board when you try to share it. Like you feel like you, you mention it and you're like a lawyer defending a client in front of a jury that just, they just don't like that client. <laughs> and uh, it, it, have you ever felt like that? That's just called management <laughs> or leadership. When you're trying to do something new or you have this grandiose vision of where we need to be and how to get there. Is like pulling nails 
<laughs> I yes. If that's you, if you dear listener, if you've been in that place where both Ty and I have been, we've got four things that you can begin doing today to build buy-in for the rest of the team. And it's it's an ongoing process. It's like building, but a, a little disclaimer. My thing is I tend to be an external processor. So when I'm talking about this, I often get excited about an idea and I say it out loud before I fully discern it or really even consider doing it because I'm just processing it out loud. And then I get blank stares, you know, and and then I, I don't always follow through on it. But what it does is it makes me seem kind of like a puppy chasing my tail, right? And that this isn't what I'm talking about, right? If you're trying to get traction for an idea, what we're talking about is an idea you've discerned. You've discerned that this is this is from God. In prayer, he is calling me to do this in my ministry. This is a direction that I feel called to go. And those are the kind of decisions that we're talking about gaining that traction and trying to build buy-in from the rest of the team. And those four things that you can start doing are, one, simply to start the conversation. Number two, you got to cast a vision. And we, we harp on that all the time, but it's so important to cast a vision of where we're going. Number three, there's a little trick we're going to teach you in your team meetings that you can do. And then finally, you just need to begin to work as though it's already happening. And we're going to draw these out here in just a little bit. So uh, starting the conversation. Sometimes all you got to do is just start the conversation. Tell people, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I feel God calling me to. Not overly polished, not the same as casting a vision, right? Really having that one that one liner that tells people where you're going and why. But just sharing from your experience that, that I believe God is calling us to this. And just seeing kind of how it resonates. A simple way to do this that I want to invite you to is one, go to our website, go to catholicministryprofessionals.com. And one of the simplest ways you can do this, go to our free assessment and and fill that out. And it's going to give you a color-coded picture that's going to show where the parish is healthy and where it's unhealthy. And bring that to your pastor or your coworkers or even fill it out with them so they can see, wow, we're, we're not very healthy here. Maybe we should do something about this. And just let that conversation percolate for a while let them sit in kind of the uneasiness of, oh, this isn't what it should be. This isn't how God has called us to to operate and to work. The reason that can also be helpful is because sometimes that might rub people the wrong way because things might not be healthy, healthy in their area. But sometimes upsetting the apple cart is the best way to begin a real conversation about real change and about doing things better. And And a perfect example of this for me is the, the times that I had to change, um, invite the parents to be part of what we were doing in our parish ministries, our, our religious ed, I said, parents, you have to come. And it upset some parents. But for the first time, probably in all the time I had been at that parish, for the first time they were having real conversations about with me about anything related to the faith where I could actually speak into, this is why we need you here. But it wasn't until they were upset about it that 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 real opportunity for communication happened. Otherwise, it was just me shooting emails their way and just hoping that they read them. So again, start the conversation. You got to have the conversation. And again, remember that acronym for planning your crucial conversations. C-P-R. Content. This is what we're going to talk about. Pattern. This is the repeated behavior. This is a repeated pattern that we need to address. And this and our relationship. This is the way it's affecting our relationship. So a simple way to do that. So first one, first tip, 
nothing we haven't talked about before. You got to start the conversation. Number two, you got to cast vision, right? And we talk about how, you know, our, our formula for casting vision for people, telling them where you're going and why, you know, giving two or three really solid goals and directions, and then the very simple steps that you're going to use to get there. I want to share with you another little uh, a little way to communicate change or to communicate for change. And this comes from Andy Stanley, and he wrote the book, uh, Communicating for a Change. And what he realized as a pastor of his church was that he often gave messages that never inspired repentance, that never inspired change in his people. And over over the years, he kind of honed his his style and his method of communication, he came across, he ultimately came up with this process, which which is, uh, it's a four, one, two, three, four, five. It's a five-step process for communicating for change. And it's I, as in, you know, me, I, we, God, you, we. And that's the method that he puts together. So I want to give a really simple example of this. The way that communicating this vision, casting this vision for change, might start like this. I have this problem. I. I have this problem. I look at my kids and, and the culture they're growing up in, and it, and it just scares the heck out of me. I, I don't want them to become slaves to their phones. I don't want them to seek after shallow friendships or entertainment. I want them to be rooted in Scripture so that the voice of God floods their day with a deep, reverberating peace that that's transforms their lives into an act of worship so that they will cultivate deep relationships and be part of a future generation of saints that can protect and guard and guide my grandchildren. We all want this. So we move to we. Don't we want our children's lives to be just flooded with grace and love and mercy and real strength and real joy that comes from knowing Jesus? So let's see what God says about this. Moving on to God. God says, blessed is the man who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. But what is the law, if if not the very word that he gives us, his very self revealed in scripture and in sacred tradition? So moving on to you. If you want this for your kids, if you want this joy, you want peace, you want strength for them, you need yourself to be rooted in scripture. You need to be able to share with your kids the law of the Lord and you need to know it. You need to be so steeped in Jesus' words that it transforms your life. And then, and only then, will your children have that same chance at blessing in their lives when you show them the way by your example. So we move to we again. We show them what the world looks like like this. Imagine how we are blessed as a community when we do this. When you do this. When your neighbor does this, imagine your children growing up in a culture that is deeply invested in getting them to heaven, a culture that we can build together when we show up as a family at religious education. We can know Jesus, we can share him, and we can be transformed by him and his word. So you see how that process of I, we, God, you, we, Right? It leads them through this process where it says, I have this. And they go, oh yeah, I have that too. And then you draw them in by saying, we do. And then you point out that God actually has something to specific to say about this issue. And then you translate it back to them. This is a thing you need to do if you want this. But then how, when they enter into this, right? when, they, when they decide to 
drink the Kool-Aid, right, and come this way and try the thing, then we are all blessed by it. And that's the thing we want, right, is to know that we are a blessing to others. That's that's something that reverberates deeply with people. So it's a method of communicating change that I have personally found to be effective. I, I've used it before. And so we'll, we'll put a link to the, the book um, that Andy Stanley wrote if anybody wants to go deeper into that too. But you need to cast vision. You need to tell people where you're going. You need to tell them why. And there's there's a hundred different ways to do it, but it's important to start doing that right away. Well, it brings them into the conversation, right? It gets them, you could say casting the vision, but it's almost painting that picture for them is a better term. Casting oh, sure. the vision is very corporate, but if you get them to actually buy into it, they're going to run through a brick wall to get that same thing that they want versus you, you know, dragging them along. They're, they're just dead weight. Now, you know, if you want to go fast, you go by yourself. If you want to go far, go together. And that's what this, you know, communicating for change or casting the vision, painting the picture, whatever you want to call it. That's what we're essentially doing here. If you can get them, here's a, another thing if you want to add on to that, get them to actually believe that it was their idea, most people will actually do it with you. <laughs> Absolutely. And that'll, that'll preach. Yes. <laughs> All right. So moving on to the third one, team meetings. Um, for this piece, you know, it kind of needs a little bit of the buy-in, at least of the pastor or someone who's leading the meeting. If you're in a person who who is in a position where you can help lead the meeting. But I also think you can just kind of bring it up as as an addendum and nobody's really going to fight you on it. To add this one crucial piece to say what was decided and who's responsible for following through on that. Now, you might do that if if you're trying to start something new as a team that you're doing. You might agree to do that. I have used this when I've made decisions that I don't want anyone else messing with. <laughs> and the, the example for me of, of this is when I restructured payments for our religious ed at a parish I worked at. And, and I knew it was something that was going to upset some people. And I wanted to be the person who handled those conversations. And the reason for that was that our pastor didn't do conflict well. There, there were a number of times where people came to him and were upset about something and complained. And then he would go and get huffed up and go have to deal with it with that person without knowing the full context of the situation. And so I wanted to give him permission to say, um, instead of saying like, wow, that's unfair. Why would John do that? I wanted to give him the chance to just be able to say like, John is changing this thing. John's in charge of this. I don't know all the ins and outs. I would love to put you in touch with John to work this out, to just be able to, to even be able to just like kind of shove them, not, not shove them upside, but you know, let it, run off him like like water beating off his back or whatever. Just just let it slough off to the side. He wouldn't even have to worry about it. He could pass them on to me and I would handle them. And so I would I would just actually at the end of the meeting say, hey, this I'm changing this thing. And so I want to be very clear that I don't expect anyone else to field questions about this. If someone calls in about these changing um, charges for religious ed, especially if they're upset, I just want you to say, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of this, but let me forward you to John. He'll be happy to answer your questions. So they actually get to be part of helping them make the solution. They don't have to feel responsible for fixing it themselves. But in doing so, in in taking on the meeting, I say, this is a thing that's been decided. Okay, now I'm responsible for following through on it. 
And being able to just vocalize that makes it very concrete in their minds that this this is happening and this is how and who's responsible. And I think that's a crucial part of part of meetings that can get buy-in because if you're not creating more work for them or it's very clear whose work it is, suddenly it becomes something that that they can really follow through on and, and make happen. Yeah, I think uh, the old adage is a confused mind will always say no. So if you offer just that little bit of clarity of like, hey, if you don't know how to answer this question, it is okay to patch them to me. It's okay to pass them off to me. I will handle that. You have all of the confidence in the world in knowing who to answer those types of, of you know, uh, inquiries, if you will. Mm-hmm. So a confused mind will always say no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, number four then. And, and this one, I don't want to have to tiptoe around it too much, but just this idea that you need to just begin the work sometimes. That's the biggest part. Honestly, one of the most powerful things you can do is just begin the work as if this thing is already happening, if you're trying to get buy-in on trying something new. And this, this kind of falls into your decision-making rights. You kind of have to know where the yes is and where the no is. But I, but I often found that when I ran an idea past my pastor, um, I was often waiting for just a blanket, like, yes, that never came. And the problem is that when when the pastors, when we bring our ideas to them, they often hear our ideas as being more work for them. They're like, oh, they want me to do one more thing. But I think it's safe to assume, and it has been my experience in most cases, right, especially if this is in the realm of your scope of your work, you have the title of director, that as long as it's not a direct no, don't do that, you can begin to move forward. And that that has always been my, like, you can clarify that with your pastor. Like, I hear that you're not saying no, and so I'm going to continue to move forward. And, just, you know, they'll say, they'll put whatever parameters around it they're comfortable with. But to at least, like, give that expression, like, I'm moving forward with this. So as long as you're not saying no, we're going to start walking forward. Um, so yeah, I think you can you can assume a little bit of that trust if you are in the position of director of blank. Um, so I've done this, for example, smaller pieces like creating a website that works. You know, most of the every parish I've worked in has the parish website that for me, especially with my my millennial brain, it doesn't function for what I need it for. So I've always created my own website, and there's always been room in the budget because those they're not hard to make anymore. They're not expensive to make anymore. And you can even make free versions on a lot of platforms, including Google Sites. You can, it's, it's just something that I, I wanted to look into and I did. And I liked the fact that I could get a URL that made sense, that was really streamlined. I could fun, streamline processes that would move the mission forward, not have to ask permission just to change the wording on a specific page. It was important to me to be able to do that so I could move things forward quickly. Um, so little things like that, or, you know, getting flock note just to communicate with my pastor. Hey, I want to do this so I could communicate with people more effectively. If he didn't say no, and there was room in the budget and all that jazz, then we could move forward with it. Um, Here's the other little part of it is that there are ways that you can even delegate the parts that you can't do on your own. And I want to throw out that line that that Ty, you really set us up with uh, a few episodes back, which is simply just to say, can you help me with blank? Right? There are people on your team with specific skill sets, and they want to be useful. Right, So somebody might, um, for example, our finance person, she knew her job in and out. She was awesome, and she was 
excited about discipleship, excited about evangelization. And so when I was wanting to create something like text to give options, I didn't know anything about it, but she knew the in and outs of the finances. So I said, hey, Annie, I want to do X, Y, Z. Can you help me with this to set up text to give options? And she could literally sit me down and walk me through it and show me all the options. She took time out of her day, out of her busy schedule to do that because again, People want to use the skills they have and they want to be useful. They want to fulfill the mission of the church. And if you've got an avenue for them to do that, they're happy to do it. Sunday morning donuts, another opportunity, right? We wanted donuts at our religious ed. It was early in the morning and people wanted donuts. And so I was able to delegate that. And you just ask the parishioners, hey, random parishioner, can you help me with X? And they're happy to do it. Um, our admin assistant, right? Maybe you can have them send out reminder emails for you so you're not just creating a bunch of extra pieces. You might have your office assistant do that. Um, or even better, you can just automate them. So again, thinking about what can you delegate for these pieces that then brings people into brings people into the new thing that you're trying to do. It makes them a part of this. And when you do that, um, you're going to find that you're already doing that new thing, right? You, you're just... You're doing what God has called you to. And these two things are really going to happen. There will be fruit. If you are responding to God and what he has called you to, you've clearly discerned it. He is calling you to do it so that he can bear fruit. And people want to be a part of that. So it creates the desire when they see that fruit to be a part of that new thing. And then if they're helping you in some way, this is the other part, when you share that fruit and show them how God is using them, how they are a part of God's plan for the parish, that creates this really strong goodwill and a desire to continue doing this good thing because it's the fulfillment of this ultimate desire that, that the human heart has, which is to cooperate with God in his creation, to cooperate with God in the vineyard. And that's, that is our ultimate desire. So when we, when we tap into this, when we invite people into it, it does resonate and it does it does grow on its own and it takes a life born out of that fruit. It's fed off of that fruit that God provides. It must be time for Devil's Advocate. Yep. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> What's that? You don't know what that is? No. Is that NBC? No. It's oh, I that's think bum, it's, bum, bum. Yeah, that is not NBC. <laughs> that's NBC. That Yeah, that's NBC, but I was not <laughs> doing NBC. It's the, was it The Croods? It's an animated movie called The Croods. It's like a caveman uh, or cave family, and they have this little pet that, like, at the climax, he'd always go, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I, I know I've seen it. My kids have watched it, but that's... Unbelievable. I'll have to pay more attention next time. You're not a fun dad. <laughs> Just kidding. He is a fun dad. Anyways, devil's advocate. John, I can't just force my ideas on people. And I think when I, I do these things, it's just going to feel like I'm making them do what I want them to do. What say you? I yeah, First of all, I want to say I 100% agree. You can't just force your every idea on your people or on your parish, right? And I I talked above about all the ideas that pop into my head all the time. And like, especially I love playing with the idea of how we can make our entryway more conducive to get visitors to return or 
to make it easier for them to get in touch with Paris staff without bothering Father before Mass, to how, how to make it easier for them to give generously. I, like, I love those things that I tend to process them out loud. Like I talked about that. But then I get the blank stares and realize they're not excited about those things and that's not what we're talking that's not what we're talking about here, right? We're not talking about every whim and fancy that passes by. We're not talking about pushing those on people and forcing them to do that. What we are talking about is a direction that you discerned in your ministry, right? You've clearly identified that God is calling you to do this thing. And this is the thing that God is calling you to, then it is it is your one and only job to respond to it, to implement it in the context of your job. And, and the funny thing is, you know, if, when the Holy Spirit that is working in you, when that Holy Spirit is working, he's working in the people next to you, in your coworkers. It's the same Holy Spirit. God is not at odds with himself. And so if you do these four things above, it's going to resonate with them. And, and it might take some time for people to get on board with a new idea, but but God is still at work. His Holy Spirit is still at work in them. And you can actually become a catalyst for activating the Holy Spirit in a deeper way in their lives when you say yes to his promptings, when you do these four things. So you're, you're not forcing your ideas on people. You're, you're just clearly pointing to what God is doing. And you're inviting them to respond to God in, a, in an intentional way. Because God is doing a new thing, and now it springs forth. And so you're just inviting them to perceive it, as the good prophet says. Yeah, and I think there's a difference between painting that picture for him, you know, showing the entire picture versus just saying, Ethel, I don't care what you think. This is what we're doing. Get on board or get off. It doesn't matter. We're, this train's moving. That's not at all what we're advising you to do. Again, it goes back to that effectively communicating, right? I, we, God, you, we. Like, that is what we're trying to communicate. If you're not doing that, you are just pressing your ideas right on top of them. And that's why Ethel will be very, very upset. And I will say this. We have mugs, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we have mugs to purchase and it includes our favorite fictional um, parish member Ethel so you'll have to check it out at catholicministryprofessionals.com well and you talk about just starting the conversation right about doing a new thing going to the camp the catholic ministry professionals store and buying one of those mugs and handing them to your pastor or someone on your staff and just saying like can like do you know who this is in our parish <laughs> and being able to start the conversation about how do we transform her heart with the love of Jesus? Mm. You know, or just how do we transform all our parishioners' hearts for all the Ethels in our parish? You know, uh, or getting one of those stickers and slapping it on your laptop and saying, hey, I found Catholic ministry professionals. They have some great ideas about how we can make more disciples. Right? These are great ways to just kind of that low-hanging fruit to start a conversation with somebody about doing a new thing in your parish. So every week we do like to leave you with an actionable step and it's right along those lines. You got to start having the conversation about this new thing that God is calling you to. And we want to invite you to do that by going to catholicministryprofessionals.com slash free assessment. You can download a free copy today and get your color-coded snapshot of your parish 
You can do it on your own. You can do it as a team and see how it just kickstarts better conversations, better work, and better leadership in your church. And do it today. So thanks for listening to the Catholic Ministry Professionals Podcast. If you found today's show helpful, please immediately text it to your pastor and a friend in Catholic ministry so that others can find out about the show and begin transforming their parish through their work. And please give us some feedback by either submitting an honest review on your podcast app or emailing us at catholicminpros at gmail.com. And as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at catholicministryprofessionals.com. And with that, we'll see you in the vineyard.